I'm ready for it, baby. Ready, ready for f- what? Are you ready for it? The podcast? I feel like our entire podcast has been building to this moment. Because we started this podcast in 2018. Well, I think this is exactly the middle. I don't know if it's exactly the middle because... I think it's exactly the middle. You think it's exactly the middle? Yeah. Well... L is directly in the middle of the alphabet. No one fact check this. No one fact check this. <laughs> the thing that I keep thinking about is like... This is probably one of the DVDs that I purchased that like spurred or Blu-rays that I purchased that spurred us towards starting this podcast because this movie came out in 2017 and we started this podcast in 2018 when you were like, maybe we should stop buying movies. (laughs) So in a way. I have dated our collection. Is that what you're saying? In a way, this movie, well, no, because we've kept acquiring movies and we're going to have to go back and do a second run just to get all the ones we didn't cover yet. But the point is. This is the genesis of the podcast. This is the best film of 2017. Darkest Hour. See, that's not even funny. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. A podcast where we watch every movie in our library from alphabetical order from A to Z. In alphabetical order from A to Z. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) We're recording this on January 12th. Too much podcast juice. I have only had two sips of podcast juice. You know what's making me mess up? The state of our nation. The state sure. of the world that we live in. We're recording this the day before it's released. And boy, it's been a it's been a week. And like last week was a week. But even just from Wednesday to Wednesday, you know? Can you believe Bean Dad happened like what? less than a month ago? What are you saying? Bean Dad. I'm talking about uh... Bean Dad. Talking about racist daddy. We don't have to talk girl. about other podcast problems. I, I'm talking about I'm talking. About some stuff that's making it hard to cover other movies in our podcast. Like, it's... Whew, like, I don't know. We are late on this episode, and it's because I had holiday ennui. Post-holiday ennui. Ennui? Yes. What does that mean? Ennui, it's just a general dissatisfaction and boredom with life. It's depression. It's depression. It's How does that translate in French to depression? I'm very confused. It's only A E N N U I. Am I going to have to explain on we? This is going to be a very personal episode because this is a very personal movie for me. On flight, a on feeling, yes. a feeling of weariness. What does it mean? And dissatisfaction. It's what are the E-N-N-U-I. real words? E N N U I. Only. Okay, what does it really mean? A feeling of weariness and dissatisfaction. No, the words. Like, what are the it's, words directly translate to? Ennui, which translates to a feeling nah, of weariness. See, this, this is why it's like, French it's is like fake. French is not real. You you tell that to At Claire and Jamie. At least German makes sense. You just throw words together to make compound you words. You tell that to Claire and Jamie, who are just having a, a, a very bad time in France right now. Well, that's their fault for going to France. Mm, we've also been binging Outlander. Listen... <laughs> I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in so long. France, all the problems in the world. Oh, no. No one at me. I don't really mean it. The movie we're covering this week is not, in fact, Darkest Hour. 
a movie that we do not own. Uh, I know what I know what this movie is called. What is this movie called? It's Ocean Seven Eleven. <laughs> it's Logan Lucky, Steven Soderbergh's unretirement film. He supposedly retired from filmmaking, but that's sure. that's not true. He, no one retires from he filmmaking. He made Unsane. He made High Flying Bird. Like great. The Scorchese can't retire. No one can. Scor- Scorchese can never retire. I hope he never retires. I mean. People talk about The Irishman as if it was, like, his final film. But, like, he just did, no. that, he just did that Netflix series bored. of Fred Leibovitz, you know? Or Leibovitz? I don't... I'm not from New York. Don't at me. Oh, it comes from the Latin in audio. As in, it is hateful to me. See, that makes sense. Hmm. It does make sense. Let me just say, I feel like doing our podcast with another person on our last episode reminded me of how all over the place we can be in our conversations because we kept getting back off track and he kept bringing us back on track. <laughs> and I feel like me looking up the etymology of ennui without any explanation hey, from a conversation two minutes film, ago. that's film, baby. Listen. <laughs> Not this film. This film, well, it is a little non-linear at the end, but it's very linear. It's very it's good. It's got this is, some pit stops in it. This is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, good joke. <laughs> Arguably, all the racing stuff is little pit stops. <laughs> We don't actually need the Sebastian Stan It's stuff. really about all the pit stops along the way. <laughs> I mean, this movie really is, though. This is like, okay, it's a heist movie, but and it's paced really well, but for all that fast pacing, there are some points where it's downright meditative, you know? Like, from the first shot. Tell me about that first shot. That first shot. It lasts, I didn't time it, but like, at least a minute. It just, you hear... You hear John Denver playing over a black screen, and then we fade up on Channing Tatum working on his truck. Channing Tatum at his thickest, I will say. Mm. Working on his truck with a little blonde girl sitting on the porch, on the edge of the porch behind him. And he is explaining the history of Take, Take Me Home Country Roads as this camera like slowly zooms out. And at first it's just the trailer in the truck, and as we zoom out we see mountains in the background, and as we see the mountains in the background, we have... Across the bottom of the screen splashed the text, Boone County, West Virginia. So, like, once we see something that can inform us of the setting, that's when we are informed of the setting, and it makes it, oh, it's so intentional. Like, every shot in this movie, it's, I mean, we talked about this with Jurassic Park. How, like, every single shot in the movie has to be there. Mm-hmm. Because it's telling you something about the world of the movie. You the just said itself. we didn't need the substance. But... Okay, I joke about that, but I think it also, like, informs the world of the movie to have that little racing drama back there. Because, I would argue, this movie is about the horrors of capitalism. (laughs) This movie is literally about how, like, poorer people have to break their bodies in service of capitalism... And it's about a how, literal landslide. Yeah, there's there's literally a cave in at one point that doesn't oh, that if we're talking about just the heist plot, we don't have to see that the way that Jimmy saw the thing was because of a cave in that hurt somebody and like crushed somebody. Like someone might say that's like needless pain and trauma that we're seeing, but that's intentionally yeah, there it's because it's motivation. It gives you gives him a reason to want to rip off the speedway. It gives. Mm, mm, I just get so hype about this. Vroom, vroom. Well, but I think about, 
I think about, like, how Melly's entire thing with Moody, who's, like, an unapologetic capitalist. He runs, he works at his daddy's, like, his daddy's car lot and has all, like, he just keeps on trading out for the newest cars. He doesn't actually, Mm -hmm. like, own any. But he doesn't actually know what to do with the cars. Whereas you have Melly, who's, like, specialized. And then you have... I just... Oh, man. All right, do you want to talk about more characters, or...? Okay. The Logan brothers. The Logan siblings, to be fair, because Melly's there. All right, you have Jimmy Logan, played by Channing Tatum. Former football star, walks with a limp, crushed his dreams. Now he has to work in construction in the mines. And he opens the movie by getting fired because he didn't disclose his leg injury. And it's a liability. Oof. Because capitalism is built on the bones of the workers. I don't see why a pre-existing problem affects liability. Hmm? It just does. Capitalism is built on the blood of the worker. You have Clyde Logan, played by Adam Driver. A transradial amputee from the, his time in Iraq. Because capitalism and you imperialism... You know the term for someone being amputated below the elbow? Well, it's because he says it in his monologue. He's like, no, I don't. I have two arms. I have one hand. I'm a transradial amputee. That's what he says to... Oh, maybe it's worse than I recognize <laughs> what a transradial amputee was without paying attention to the movie. <laughs> and then you have... Melly Logan, played by Riley Keough, the hairdresser and wheel person, the driver. And it's, they are, at the first time we see the siblings interact, well, first of all, it's Melly talking about driving uh, Jimmy's daughter to the pageant. <laughs> but then when we see the brothers interact, there is this local folklore about the Logan family curse. Every time the Logans are close to making it good, something bad happens to them. For example... Jimmy hurts his leg before he can get to college and play ball. Clyde gets his arm blown off or his hand blown off, as he tends to point out, literally as he's shipping out from a rock. So it's like, it's, there's this idea that the Logans are unlucky and it's shared by the people who are around them. Like, whether it's the people who they work with or Jimmy's ex-wife, played by Katie Holmes. Like, <laughs> there's there's this general opinion that the Logans are simple, unlucky folk. And so, the, uh, the motivating plot is actually Jimmy wanting to be close to his daughter because mm-hmm. they're getting ready to move away. So, he needs a way to find some money fast. Mm-hmm. And, well, cauliflower. <laughs> <laughs> I love the unexplained, hidden, like... <laughs> Uh, lore there between uh, the brothers with cauliflower. <laughs> yeah, because it's after the fight at the bar when he blows when he uh, sets Seth MacFarlane's car on fire. Oh, also, uh, Seth MacFarlane plays like an, an English energy drink <laughs> company owner who again exploits the body of his of the worker because he literally tries to use a a post of uh, Clive making a martini one handed for his Instagram. Like he. Teases him about his amputation. Teases Jimmy about his limp. They, like, he calls them one whole person. Like, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of funny. But it's bad. It's ableist. Yes. Yes. It's it's so good, though, because all the villains are capitalists. All the villains are people who are... who I feel like you've got two main villains, arguably, in this movie. 
which is Seth MacFarlane's character, mm-hmm. and the Warden. And they are both arms of the imperialist capitalist establishment. But what does that say about filmmakers? Because filmmakers are always rich. Not all of them are rich. Mm, uh, this one is. Soderbergh certainly is rich. But he can still... You can still be a leftist if you have money. You just need to actually be given... Helping people out Gotta with that money. Gotta be given that money. Exactly. You know what helps build my thesis that a lot of the work of Soderbergh is about the exploitation of the body of the worker? What? Magic Mike. Think about it. Oh, man. Magic Mike is literally about Channing Tatum's character, Mike, getting screwed out of his money by his boss multiple times and out of, like, the work that he's put in. It's about how he uses his body to make profit for other people. Like... And how his circumstances, the circumstances surrounding it, that society has placed him in, don't allow him to make money normally. Which is why it's important that Jimmy gets fired at the beginning of this one. It's all part of the same thesis. You can look at High Flying Bird 2, a movie literally about how the bodies of black athletes are used to fill financiers and owners' pockets. Woof. Like, oh, it's all there. It's all there. Oh, it's all there. I love Soderbergh. And that's the episode, everyone. It's, it's not the episode yet. I mean, ooh. Ooh, it's all there. What's next? Um, well, we haven't even talked about Daniel Craig yet. Oh, man. Important to note that the credits listed as introducing Daniel Craig, which, when you think about it, this is like, a movie where he's very much not trading on Bond, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> he's playing Opposite accent. against type. Complete, <laughs> or, or w- the way he's been typed. And, like, can I be honest? I don't think he gets Knives Out if he doesn't do this movie. Ooh. I think that Knives... take. Well, because he did the believable Southern accent, it's an entirely different kind of Southern accent. That, like, this is like a West Virginia Appalachian accent, whereas he's got, like, almost like a Savannah accent in the, um... He, he is one. good with his American accent. Oh, yes. And he's... Which is rare. But I think it kind of... What it really is, is it's a character actor performance from yeah. Craig. He's playing a weird guy, but in an interesting way. He's not He's not playing a leading man. Like, I don't think anyone would find Joe Bang, like, ruggedly attractive or anything. He's meant to look like a kind of washed-up criminal dude. Yeah, like your like, uncles. No, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a criminal uncle, right? He's And he's got his brothers, one played by a guy whose name I, I always forget, and one played by Jack Quaid, which is fun. Jack Quaid being Dennis Quaid's son. What? Who is in The Boys. Plays the... Oh, the nerd kid? Yeah, Fish. In this, is he's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he plays Huey in The That's Boys. That's Dennis Quaid's son? That's Dennis Quaid's son. Hmm. And someone else famous. I forget who his mother is. It's someone, like, equally famous. I, but I just never remember it because his name is Quaid. So I can instantly See, associate. See, that's why you don't want to change your name. Why would you give that away? Exactly. Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan's Oh, mother. my God. How does anyone forget? They made that? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, he's beautiful. He, he's all right. He's fine. He's one of those, like... He's going to be one of those, like, forever boys until he's, like, 40. Maybe he'll, like, blossom. Maybe. Tom Cruise was almost like a forever boy, in a way. Listen, he's been 
his thetans are off the charts. So God, stop! That keeps, it keeps him youthful. Nope, nope, we're done. <laughs> um, God, I mean, we already mentioned Katie Holmes. Like, they have actual NASCAR people, people like the, uh... Leanne Rimes is a NASCAR person? <laughs> Leanne Rimes singing God... Singing America the Beautiful. like What real NASCAR people? How do you know Jeff this? Gordon. Everyone knows Wait, Jeff Gordon. Wait, Jeff Gordon's in there? Yeah, Jeff Gordon's doing commentary at one point. There is so much to this movie. Sebastian Stan. I can't who, keep track of it. we've mentioned. And a surprise, a wonderful surprise for everyone who watches till the end. Hilary Swank, who is in the movie for like 10 minutes and is so effective the entire time she's there. Her voice is just oh, like... I, I think Nails I on like a chalkboard. But I think it's intentional in this movie. Like she's yeah. pursuing justice specifically. Uh, well, quote unquote justice. Well, that's the thing. That's why what I think at the end when the uh, the third the third villain who only shows up in one scene, the uh, the the NASCAR guy, the Speedway guy, mm-hmm. he's like, we got all our money back, so we don't care. And he she takes him to task. She's like, you had no way of figuring out how the money's back. How did you get it? Well, the algorithms. Rhythms are... I don't care about complicated algorithms. How did you figure out the number to ask for insurance? And he just dodges her answer. Because he thinks... She thinks that that's an injustice too. They're basically robbing everyone else. Mm-hmm. By... Oh, and it's... I think... I love her. Oh, God. Catherine Waterston. Who? Sam Waterston's daughter. I don't know. Did I, did I remember her name right? From a Fantastic Beasts. Yes, Catherine Waterston. As the doctor, Sylvie. Did we she's kiss? She's in Fantastic Beasts? Yes, she's she's the love interest. That's not so What? Yeah, she's the American the American Aurora. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She's she yeah, that's her. She's good in this. She has like two <laughs> scenes, but she's good in it. Like Is anyone bad in this? No. God, I haven't even talked about the bear in the woods. No what? speaking lines. Bear? When so when when Joe Bang, who is the explosives guy, in prison sends his brothers to go get his bag, they meet the bear in the woods, which is just a a fat graying man wearing a bear suit who dissolves onto the screen and then dissolves out of the screen as if by magic. When is this? This is in the uh this is in the preparation montage. So, so the scene. They the, the, play that multiple they, times. Okay, but this is the preparation one when this is after Fish and uh, Fish and the other brother go and meet Joe Bang in lockup. This is when they're this is after uh, Clyde crashes into the gas station. Like so th- that there's that montage of them doing all the preparation for the robbery and they go to the woods and get a bag from the bear. And the bear oh, Yeah, he fades yeah. he does he dissolves onto the screen and then dissolves off of the screen. Oh. Which is almost like a nod to like magic realism, I feel like. It's... There's a... <clears throat> God, Purple Lady. Purple Lady! Two scenes in the movie. Hilarious, though. Because Melly's doing her hair at the beginning when she, and she's talking about how the uniforms at LSU are the nicest shade of purple. <laughs> and she's the one who asked Jimmy when he says he doesn't want to pay for his cell phone, you one of them Unabomber types? <laughs> God... But, She's there for a reason. Yeah. Because later, she becomes what they use to distract the cops when they're driving through. Man. Oh, that's her car? Yeah, that's hers. Like, this woman needs to be contained. <laughs> like, it's... There's just all that little stuff. 
and they're setting up the speedway from the beginning, you know? Like, uh, like, like, or, and setting it up as NASCAR from the beginning, too, because you have the big poster in the office. Like, you see that he's working at the speedway, but, like, the big poster is with NASCAR colors. And, like, uh, it's, I think about the, the way that he, they shoot him underground, too. Like, a lot of, like, slow zooms in and out. Like, the, the camera movement is so intentional. Because everything that's in the frame is meant to be in the frame. Oh, which is one of my favorite things in movies. When it's so clearly, obviously intentional. Like, it's not just, uh, have the set dresser do what they want. It's, I need this to be placed here so that the audience can know about this. Or, like, the Easter, uh, the Easter carnival. When they, that uh, was Easter? Yeah. yeah. How did you know? Because they, uh, they, I think they say it on one of the banners. I've seen this movie so many times. Like, you need to understand. You need to understand. Like I you- guess when I go to work every day, John watches <laughs> Logan Lucky. Because I don't think I've seen this more than, like, five times. I think I've seen it... I think you've seen it, like, six times. I think I've seen it, like, eight times. It's very long. It's not super long. It's at least two hours. I don't think it's quite two no, hours. No, it's definitely... No, it's it's not quite two hours. It's an hour and fifty nine minutes. And that's including credits. I'm just not, you know, it's not it's not worth bringing up to someone who won't understand how time works. So I'm just not going to. <laughs> it's fine. You said it's more than two hours. That is definitively less than two hours. This, sure. is, mm-hmm. this is a comfort movie for me, if in case you couldn't tell. like The only comfort movie for John, apparently. Uh, no, no, surprisingly no, no, no. There's, enough. There, there's another one that has that has rapidly been rising in the ranks, and you know that. <laughs> it's Booksmart. <laughs> Which I much prefer, but... Well, it's, because, it's because you haven't gotten tired of it yet. Ah. Yes, you used to love Logan Lucky. You still do love it. What? Lucky. You no, I did it. not. You you enjoyed it the first couple of times you watched it. <laughs> and I think you enjoyed... The thing is, you say you didn't love it, but you enjoyed it when we watched it today. Even though we watched it two weeks ago, too. It's like, got a lot of stuff. It's got a lot of stuff. Jokes per minute, great. The way Adam Driver says, And you burn the bacon like you lack and I hate, great. The way Daniel Craig says, Melly, Melly, Melly. <laughs> Rhymes with smelly. The way the guy says vagrant flyolations. Everyone went in on this, and no one has a horrible, too horrible of an accent that they're trying to put on like, to ru- that ruins it or anything. It's not. It's not stereotypical accents. I would say. Like, I feel like the the accents are all like varied enough. It's not just everyone. It's not people doing impressions. It's people doing accents, which I think right. is important. And. Uh, which is pretty true of, like, the South. You, not everyone sounds the same. Exactly. Which is what I like about this so much. It's, it's, oh. It's like, I wonder if there were dialect coaches. There have to have been dialect coaches involved, right? Like. I mean, unless Daniel Craig can just pull that out of his English, mm-hmm. like, mouth. I don't know. That's wild. <laughs> like, oh. Let's talk about the prison stuff, too. Like, it shows the conditions that the prison is working in and that the warden doesn't actually care about the conditions of the prisoner. So it demonstrates that the carceral state is bad. Yeah, he only cares about 
how, what the impression is of the yeah, institution. Yeah, he cares what his superiors think. <laughs> I mean, bartering with them during a lockdown, that was wild. <laughs> yes, and also the lockdown bartering scene is one of the... F- the Game of Thrones book. That's so funny. Here's something relevant. This movie was being shot in 2016, and the joke was, George R. R. Martin has failed to produce The Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring. <laughs> that don't make no sense. The guys from Federal said that he... We're telling me all about the stuff the hot chicken or dragons. I believe that that's from the television show. <laughs> and it's, but it's just so. I'm reading right off the Wikipedia. What's hilarious? <laughs> what's hilarious about it is that this movie was made in 2016, and he hadn't written those two books. And it's and here still we are in 2021, true. and I don't think he's ever going to write those. No, two he's going to die before he writes those books. I think he might just. Give I don't him think to, he wants to. If I'm honest, I think you should just give them to Brandon. No. Brandon uh, Sanderson is great at finishing other people's series. What? Has he finished someone He else's? did that for Wheel of Time after Robert Jordan died. Who? Wheel of Time. Very influential Never fantasy series. Daniel is going to be very disappointed in you for having said Everyone that. is disappointed in me. I don't have time to read. <laughs> You've been reading. Slowly. Listen, you devoured Mexican Gothic. By devoured, you mean took an entire, like, two weeks okay, to finish? Okay, but considering that you have work and school, for your pace, that was devouring. <laughs> it's about how long it took me, too. Yeah. You, like, once I started. That was weird. We, we did read something at, like, kind of the same rate. It was strange. It was cool. I liked it. Um, God, we haven't even talked about how s- smart the heist was. Like, How I, smart is the heist? Well, I mean, it's great. It's it's a perfect. It's like Ocean's Eleven, you know. It's it's a perfect example. Of, it's it's plotted almost exactly the same when you think about it. They get who they need. They set up the plan, but they don't reveal enough of the plan to the viewer so that you can still be surprised by the end of the heist. There's a double. There is what seems like a betrayal, but not actually a betrayal because it's an extra way to trick them by giving the money back like and that's what they do with the like there's there's circumstances at the last minute that change that force them to change something that they're going to do yeah like ocean 711 ocean 711 they literally <laughs> make that joke yes. in the movie <laughs> i caught that this time and i thought i was genius <laughs> it's it's steven soderbergh doing like what he does best but in a different rather than like all the glitz and glamour of los angeles and Las Vegas, it's the grit of Appalachia. Also, you really like the main protagonist because you be- you believe that he is still a good person despite stealing all of this money. And I think that's a, a core thing, even in the Oceans movies. It's like they're not stealing this money because they're evil. They're stealing this money because they can. But this one, his motivation is like even more clear. It's like he's stealing this money because he needs to. Mm-hmm. You know? Which I think is the argument that Soderbergh is making. He's like... What has society come to if good people who have tried to do good things are forced to do this? And there's there's a nod to their, like, criminal background. It's like, their get-rich schemes. But clearly, like, there's even that line that Clyde has, like, my life of crime is over. He, he literally says that. But because I think they aren't interested in that anymore because they've suffered from it. Mm-hmm. But now because they are suffering, they need to pull this off. Yeah. And now, do they need to get as much money as they do? Not necessarily. Does it help them a lot and help their circumstances? Absolutely. (sighs) And really, they're trying to help the whole town, because he sends that 
one envelope to his like doctor yeah to the the clinic the free clinic Mm -hmm. yeah and like everyone who is negatively affected other than like the corporation receives a payout like they Mm -hmm. give the payout to Namath who staged the riot they give the payout to Gleema whose car they hit you know like it's (laughs) (laughs) that that was very good yes it's the way it all comes together with that final montage set to set to it ain't me which is perfect. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Mm, I love this movie so much. I think much. you can also appreciate the the music in this movie because any other movie set in like West Virginia would either be like majority country or like bluegrass music. There is a lot of country in there. Like there's but it felt more like, American a, like, than anything else. Flat picking at the bar which is called Duct Tape which is a great name Incredible. for Incredible. They're, they're playing Patsy Cline both times, but yeah. it's perfect for the environment that they're in. And then the score itself is a lot of... It feels like very Southern rock. Yeah. And which... But, like, not cliched. Like, instrumental Southern rock mm-hmm. that works as, an, as a movie score. Like, mm. <sighs> Like, <laughs> I have to, like, stop and catch my breath from how much I'm gushing about this movie. And I feel like I'm not letting you talk but I think this was your strategy coming into the episode, is letting me talk my breath away, and then you reacting every now and then, wasn't it? I guess you've caught on to my heist. Mm. You know, since you're out of breath, let's go to the concession stand. Hey, Alex, you love Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Wanna listen to a new Harry Potter podcast? No. Oh. But Sorted is not a Harry Potter podcast, but instead a podcast about everything else viewed through the lens of Harry Potter. Ooh, what does that mean? It means we're going to sort things. Ash Ketchum's a Slytherin. Shrek's a Gryffindor. Your dog is a Hufflepuff. And all Ravenclaws are robots. Come check out Sorted, not a Harry Potter podcast. On the Pocket Podcast Network. All right. We're back. Do you have a fashion corner? Riley Keough wears some great outfits. She does. <laughs> They're very good. They. <laughs> I don't want to say anything negative about them. <laughs> now the cutest part is the, the little um. Sadie. Yeah, Sadie with her little pageant, all her little outfits for that, and all the jokes that are like going with. Getting ready for the pageant are great. Yeah. The spray tan with the uh, car Oh my gosh, that is the cutest. The extensions. For glitz, I need Need this this. hair. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's adorable. But I like it because at the end of it, she's like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I know. Can you imagine? That's how children are, though. It's it's good because at the beginning, she's like, I can't do ice cream. And then by the end, she's like, gelato. It's cute. It's it's cool because it's it's like, it's good because it's like, she's not buying into her body image and she's like getting interested in stuff that she cares about. Yeah, they're letting her be a kid which can sometimes be a problem I bet with like pageant stuff. Oh yeah. And I'm getting sucked into it and not really enjoying their childhood. I guess guess one complaint is the female characters aren't weak but there's just not a lot. Yeah, you have... Melly gets kind of pushed to the side a little bit even though she's really like she... She's essential to the plan. Oh, Otherwise, absolutely. they don't have as strong of an alibi. Exactly. And she helps him, I think, hide the cash or something? Uh, yeah, she. well, she helps him get get the cash that he's going to uh-huh. hide. 
And then in addition, you've got what Gleema has like four lines, maybe Catherine Waterston, even though she's supposed to be the love interest for Jimmy, has like yeah, not three much lines. Well, not three, but like to two be fair, scenes. she can't really know about this because yeah, she's I a know. doctor. Huh. Though she, her stuff is funny, her stuff is yeah. very funny. Like all the women that are on screen are funny. I yeah, think. They're, and they're well, they're pretty well thought out characters. Yes. And they, they're all dynamic, for sure. Except for maybe Purple Lady, who I think <laughs> is the point of her character, is that she's not dynamic. She's explosive. She's one of those ladies, those ladies who live in the southern town, yes. you know? Like, we just watched Bernie, and I feel like a lot of the characters are very Purple Lady-esque. Like, the old ladies, you'll just walk by them, and they'll be like, well, that's some hair. <laughs> or, like, it's <laughs> random stuff like that. And you're like, oh my god. She's so funny. Yeah. Purple Lady spinoff when? Purple Lady could have her own, like, mockumentary sitcom. 20-minute sitcom, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Do you want to rate this film? Is there a point to you rating this film? I I really tried to find a way not to give it the rating that I'm going to give it. All right, go on. It's five checkered flags out of five. Like... Oh, gosh. It's it's just... Oh, it's, it's five... Prosthetic arms about out of five. Substan. Substan. <laughs> I've been sourcing clean software. That's what I call my food. <laughs> my opera, my OS is crashing. Because <laughs> they make him drink energy drinks. Yes. And he, he can't have that much glucose, apparently. I've been mon- keeping a close eye on my glucose. I love levels. it because it's definitely a parody of like the modern athlete who's like, well, Tom Brady, he won't, like, eat ketchup or something Strawberries. Like that. He won't eat strawberries. Yeah, like, simple, like, just it's bonkers so stuff. It's so funny. Oh, all the jokes is good in this movie. All right. I, don't, I can't think of a single now joke. Now I feel like land. I can rate. Now that I've talked about substance. God. Oh, one more thing. What? The chemistry lesson. When we come. Oh, my God. <laughs> How could we forget Daniel that? Daniel, the funniest part when they're explain—he's explaining how his explosive device works. But he okay, he didn't sell. He didn't say anything about it before that. So you 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 hear him order gummy bears with his beer, and you're like, what? Why is he getting gummy bears? And then suddenly they're down there, and he's like putting together this a not bleach, a bomb, a an bleach explosive. pen and yes. gummy bears, and he's oh because they're like now, the beach the, the si- beach pen like you requested. This the science doesn't actually work on it. Like I've, I've it looked, doesn't. I don't think it, it works, it doesn't work as well as it would there. But, like, what's so funny is he explains it to him, and he has a piece of chalk out of nowhere. <laughs> you know? There's, it, it cuts to him with a piece of chalk that he... writing a chemical equa- reaction equation <laughs> yes. on the wall. And it's perfect. It's so it's well good. done. And, like, how can you not give it a five with stuff like that? You know? And I know you're here about to not give it a five. <laughs> But I just have to make my case for it. Okay. I'm ready. Go for it. 4.25. Yes. That's a high score for you. That's a very high score for yeah, you. Yeah, I think I scored a little too high, but... I, I'm very happy that you've given it this score. We'll, we'll, we'll stay there. Just... Oh, man. Home viewing is a part of the Pocket Podcast Network. We sure are. Yeah, other shows on the network include... Sorted. Cult classics. Green Mountain Mysteries. And them's the facts. Never heard of them. You should definitely listen to those and all the other shows on the network. There's lots to binge, lots to listen to. Definitely worth putting some time into. 
before we come back next week, I guess, or not next week, next-ish week. Next time. Next time, we're going to be discussing the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. Another WB property. (laughs) Yeah, they're both Warner Brothers. This was Warner Brothers? Well, no, 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 no. I'm what? saying Mad Max and Oh, Lord of the Rings. I was like, I didn't think so. No, this was Universal. <laughs> Mad Max and Warner Brothers are... I see, Mad I Max see, and Lord I see. Okay, all right. The thing that we're going to do is not watch them all on the same weekend. In fact, we've been spending the last couple of months watching... We've watched Fellowship and Two Towers already, and we are going to watch Return of the King. I'm going to make it happen. Oh, boy. Can't through, wait. Through sheer powerful... Yeah. See, she says that, but she enjoys it whenever we have them on. It's I, a pretty dumpster fire. I'll give it it's that. It's not a... It's, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to divorce my wife. This is home viewing. <laughs> I'm John. And I'm Bethany. Don't buy any more... DVDs. Nobody looks at it that way but you We all saw him drowning But you were the one with the blood on your hands Saying it, I never saw the Pocket Podcast Network Quality programming right to your pocket